Welcome, bienvenue, to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. So one week down in the season, and I've managed to not pick up Corey Dickerson. How much longer can I make it? I don't know. It's the attraction there is palpable. <laughs> I mean, he's been getting his PAs in. He has been, yeah, he has been um, getting to the bag, uh, getting to the plate, and getting on base. It's it's pretty impressive. I, we are following the Rays Twitter feed and. They are talking about him constantly. I mean, besides Chris Archer, is he the bright spot on their team? Oh, come on, Kiermaier. Kiermaier, Kiermaier you got to be careful with. Like, slowly ramp up. Because what if he hits a cold streak and they turn on him? Like, Dickerson, if Dickerson hits a cold streak and they bench him for a month, nobody cares. Yeah. No, the problem with Kiermaier is that he he's going to be testing out that 10-day DL. <laughs> uh, that... <laughs> That he is. But when he's not testing out the 10-day DL, he's going to be amazing. Yeah. I'm into, I'm into Kiermaier. I'm, I don't feel bad blowing up that spot. So I've given you the option to talk about two athletes who have been in the news recently, not in the sport of baseball. So do you want to talk about Tony Romo or Russell Westbrook? Both down in the same general region of the country. South middle. <laughs> that's that's spoken like a true New England geography buff. <laughs> you South know? middle? That's not, not a, that's not a there's, term. There's New England and not New England. States with panhandles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just keep listing similarities. I mean I, I don't really know what else what there is to say about Russell Westbrook, but there's a lot to say about Tony Romo. Is he getting out at the right time? He is well, considering that he's broken several bones in his body, including his yeah. ribs. I, ugh, I like deeply bruised a rib uh, in a biking accident. Biking is in cycling accident. Um, don't get any ideas. And wow, it hurt for like six months. I can't imagine breaking your ribs like every single season. I the collarbone is the one that stresses me out. Like you know, every once in a while, mm. like I just feel my collarbone, and I'm like, "Oh man, yeah, what you if?" Really can. Oh, what if your what profession if was to throw a a, a ball <laughs> and get hit, <laughs> and this yeah, was broken? That, yeah, it sounds. Horrible. I mean, every time people talk about broken collarbones, I just like you know roll my shoulders a little bit. Like, oh, that would be so bad. So I, I don't blame him, but I. I've heard him speak, and how's he going to do? Oh, he's going to do great. He's very, um, I don't know, he's very affable. And he's going to hes gonna be on CBS. He's going to be in the, the prime spot. I know. Okay, you know someone else is going to be returning. Leia, not only is she going to be in episode 8, but also in episode 9. Have you seen this news? Not CGI? There's going to be some... Somebody is doing some very smart editing right now. I mean, I think that we do some pretty good editing on our pods, but 
I can't even imagine what the editing that's happening right now looks like. Oh yeah, scripts are being rewritten <laughs> like as we speak <laughs> using outtakes. Whole storylines are changing. Yeah. yeah, for sure. To make sure that they can go around asides that Carrie Fisher made. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's that's exactly right. So I I don't know. Um we'll know a lot more after episode 8, right? Yeah. Well, we got a the last Jedi. All right. This week, Eric is uh, not feeling so great about his own fantasy team, so he's going to give himself some advice and some words to live by. And then I'm going to talk about predicting ERA and what we can do with just a couple starts in this young season. Take it away, Eric. In the immortal words of Olivia Munn's ex-boyfriend, relax. Fantasy baseball championships are neither won nor lost in week number one. Um, I'm saying this not only as advice, but also in the in the mirror today a few dozen times. Perhaps I should mention this to my co-host, who is on cloud nine today after beating the perennial league favorite. So it goes both ways there, buddy. Are you feeling indestructible? I'm saying nothing. I'm saying nothing. I'm not gonna not gonna say anything about how my team may or may not be doing. How about this? I'll say I met my week one projections. That's it. Oh, your own projections, not my your, own projections. Not your win loss, team. but your your category totals. So, all right. Uh, one question though: How many Monte Carlo simulations have you run? So I find that things start to stabilize about 10,000 with the guys that I've got. <laughs> All right. Uh, I did notice that it, it looks like you're, uh, breakdown-wise, pitting your team stats head-to-head against every other team in the league. You'd spot fifth. Mm-hmm. A little bit lower than I expected. So we've had, we had a couple of good weeks that got hidden. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, there were a couple couple guys that that weren't able to capitalize on on good stats this past week yeah well okay one thing i find really hard is switching gears at the start of the season what do i mean by that uh while while i'm drafting i think about my roster at two extremes and full aggregate season projection totals team projection totals etc and full disaggregate geez is travis jankowski of the house Targaryen and Padre, Lord of the Seven <laughs> Kingdoms and Protector of the Realm. Is he going to get to 400 plate appearances? Yeah, what a, What are they doing with him? I, they're not playing him against lefties. No, I understand the mechanics of what they're doing. Why are they doing that? Because he's terrible against lefties. And instead of... He's not more terrible than the junk that they have to throw throw at it exactly i i I know isn't it smarter to just let them play through it than like put that mental block in front of them but no that's the way that baseball is going anyways perhaps this is a little late uh now that the season has started to start thinking about switching gears but i think it might be good to discuss what it takes to win a week today (laughs) before i do mike uh do you find it hard to switch gears at the start of the season I do find it hard to switch gears. You know, I, I'm slow to pick up the news and I got to like 
you know, really pour over lineups for the first week and be like, where are they actually, like, why are they batting Byron Buxton third? But they seem to have solved that problem by (laughs) moving him way down in the lineup, which is, but anyway, I find it hard to switch gears from thinking about the full season of stats to thinking about like, okay, this is what I need to expect out of them in a week, which is why I end up leaning on simulations to try and tell me the things that i am too lazy to think about okay well i'll go another route uh to to get us there but yeah it's it's a hard transition when you're going from drafting and we spend a long time drafting and then analyzing our, our drafting to then like thinking about okay wait i have to set my lineup every day and pay attention to the news and actually not not avoid my rss feed i have to actually do some stuff um it's so yeah it's hard switching gears and i almost always lose week one which is not like i suck this week i'll, I'll admit it but you know that's it does happen so getting my head in the game i looked at last year's weekly head-to-head results and put together some summary statistics histograms um means medians modes and standard deviations for each of the hitting stats Histograms are great for showing the distribution of a data series. For instance, batting average has a flatter distribution than runs. Um, A lot of the batting average scores group together between 240 and 290. Surprise, surprise. While runs have a more normal distribution that peaks between 35 and 37 runs in a week. This is for our league. Um, I would suggest... For all of our listeners out there uh, doing this exercise with your own league stats from previous years, if you have them, or um, you know, as soon as you start building up the data doing it with your own league, feel free to email us if you want help in that procedure. So, Mike, I put these, I put the histogram for batting average and runs in front of you. You've probably seen this. You probably created this yourself. Any thoughts here, and do you like histograms for looking at data trends? Oh, I love histograms for looking at data trends. One of the things for me is the the batting average. Batting average being a flat distribution is scary, and it's one of the reasons that trying to trying to win batting average can be so hard because oh, the, yeah. the width of the distribution tells you something about the um, tells you something about the expected variance not only amongst teams in the league, but even week to week in teams, individual teams. Oh, yeah. also sort of back that out. And so, you know, we saw this for you last week. Like, it's rare to get your team to hit under 200. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, and my team hit under 200, which is really, really hard to do um, in baseball, let alone when you're taking the top, you know, 350 players from baseball yeah so i would say the batting average is is something that that really stuck out to me um the other the other numbers i'm i'm pretty comfortable with um i always sort of get into this the the stolen base is sort of the opposite where there's this really long tail out to the high numbers Mm mm-hmm and you kind of realize like, oh, maybe I'm hammering this a little too hard some yeah. weeks. And so and I kind of think about what to do with that. And maybe if you if you have a lot of players that are getting stolen bases, you can possibly think about capitalizing on trades. I think that's something to think about for the future. Yeah, that might be 
discussion point for later. Yeah, that that is an interesting point. Stolen bases do cluster. I mean, they don't even they can't even have a normal distribution because that would actually require you to have negative stolen bases. <laughs> right. There's yeah. It's it's all those Poisson statistics, man. We deal with that all the time in astronomy. Well, histograms give you a sense for the distribution of uh, stat outcomes. I think you need to focus more on the median stat totals for ballparking a winning line. Um, our league last year had the following median stats across our regular season. Uh, 271 batting average, 10 home runs, 35 RBI, 37 runs, and four stolen bases. That's a lot of home runs. We're trending upwards. <laughs> We're trending back upwards on the home runs. Does that that concern you a little bit with your team construction? Uh, no. I've, I've well, I think that the players that I have are the kind of players that are benefiting the most from the juiced balls or whatever it's happening. <laughs> the older players are all of a sudden staying steady at their home run totals. So I gave you here the mean, median, mode. Do you do you typically go with the median? I think that we discussed this last year, but you're a median guy, right? Oh, I'm absolutely a median guy. Yeah, you want to stick to a real number rather than mean there are so many outliers. I think, I mean, honestly, the most interesting part to me is the standard deviation. Yep, always standard deviations. Which, the while the home run total is high, the standard deviation is almost four home runs, meaning yeah. that there's a huge distribution. When you're talking about these small number statistics between 6 and 14, and again, similarly for stolen bases, with the standard deviations in there, anything between 1 and 7 is normal, right? Yeah, that's that's the normal range, which that's a tighter, that is definitely tighter than the, the home run distribution. But yeah, if you're if you're hitting eight stolen base mark every week, then you should be winning two thirds of the time. Yeah, I agree. And runs the, the, just to compare runs and RBIs, we've talked about this in forecasting in a couple of previous weeks runs. You is, has a slightly smaller standard deviation, which to me really says that you need to hit your projections mm -hmm. harder in runs than RBIs. There's a little bit more flexibility in RBIs, in runs, you really got to get those. You really have to manufacture them with your team. Yeah, definitely. And RBIs is a little bit more up to chance. Yeah, there. Yeah, I would agree. With, yeah, that's exactly the the takeaway that that people should be having. Wow, Mike giving good advice and and winning fantasy weeks. This is just crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh it's from this it's from this new enlightened place that allowed me to win last week. Oh wow, yeah, it seems to be. <laughs> Um, I've, I've seen a few sources say that this week one was especially random with, um, some no shows and surprise stories. Um, my gut tells me that might be true. So I decided to investigate a bit further, um, specifically because as Mike mentioned, I fell below the Mendoza line. That's 200 batting average. Um, just barely though. And, uh, that's really hard to do in fantasy. Um, again, though, other categories seemed a bit funky and in the end, I looked at each team's results against last year's average statistics, 12 teams times five categories give us 60 unique comparisons. 23 of these comparisons fall outside of one standard deviation, uh, 
from the average statistical value. Hmm. About 38% of the results, with most being low. Hmm. Lower than normal. Except steals, oddly enough. What do you think about that, Mike? I think that's telling us that we're seeing, you know, you're seeing a breakdown in the normal distribution assumption there. Okay. But what exactly that's telling you, uh, hard to predict. Right. I'm not saying that there's, I'm not trying to, um, I'm not trying to prove a hypothesis. I'm trying to <laughs> disprove the null hypothesis here. <laughs> Oh, what a Bayesian. Good job, buddy. So could the, so uh, all I guess uh, uh, that I want to ask you uh, on the sniff test here is, um, is there something funky? Do you smell something funky afoot in week one? Oh, uh, I mean, besides the twins being five and one, yeah, something is weird about week I one. I would say including the twins being five, five and one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I hate to say that about my my team, but week one is weird. Yeah, week one is especially weird. I don't know that this one is any any weirder than than normal, but um, this is the first time that we're back to fantasy, which is great. Given Will Myers hitting for the cycle last night, this was almost just a thirty second rhapsody about him. But instead, here's a little preview of the review session. All right, I, that's one of the things that I've been thinking is that we need to have something kind of contentious, and I have a feeling that that's going to be a contentious one. <laughs> oh, 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 man, he's, all right. Yeah, he's pulling up his belt, getting ready for this one. <laughs> Wee, wow, ow. all right, man. ERA correlates with whip. While sometimes our insights don't range much past that level, a little bit of digging this week helped me come up with a quick and dirty rule explaining a lot of the dispersion in the ERA whip relationship. You want to say anything about my serious insight here? No, so far it passes a sniff test. Oh, I'm not wrong yet. Good. Okay. Well, strong start then. So my idea here is what you could call the strike percentage. That is the percentage of pitches that a pitcher throws that are strikes. Okay. This number is not too hard to get. I mean, it's, they broadcast it on TV, like actively, right? If you watch a game and they put it in box scores, what the, what the strikes and total pitches were. So this should not probably be a surprise. How much percent, how much attention have you paid to something like strike percentage in the past? I really started paying attention to strike percentage Back in the aughts, I remember one season where I was like thinking about it conceptually, like you need to have over 50% strikes so that you're not walking batters every single time. But then last year, watching the Twins bullpen, I was intimately aware of it when they were oh. like red, uh, typically at 40 to 50%. Hey, no, buddy. Jason Castro, that's what he was brought in for. You know, he just brings up that strike percentage just a little bit with that pitch framing. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I was at a, you know, at a Cubs game last summer and they put David Ross in to throw and all he does is lob it over the plate, you know, really high strike percentage. And he was definitely better than the vast majority of the Twins relievers. So just throw strikes, guys. You'll be better. Yeah. So well, interestingly, if you do a plot 
um, of ERA versus WHIP, there is a clear relationship, right? So the guys who have higher WHIPs have higher ERAs. Mm -hmm. But if you if you look at it by dividing out strike fractions, so guys that are have high strike fractions, and high strike fractions means seventy percent. Low strike fractions is 60%. If you divide that out, you can explain a lot of the spread in the ERA whip relationship based on how many strikes a guy is throwing. Yeah. I'm going to conjecture that this has something to do with some sort of underlying control determiner, that it's less about, you know, actually being able to throw or actually throwing strikes and more about being able to throw strikes when you want to. Control. I will just point out that uh, Clayton Kershaw wrecks this plot, but the coloring, if you look at strike fraction, it starts to make sense, right? Kershaw's 2016 is just off the charts here. You know, you're talking about in the 1.7s for ERA and like 0.8 and whip. <laughs> like, I mean, we're, he's, he's just killer, but he's also off the charts for strike fraction. He threw more strikes than as a fraction of his total pitches than any other pitcher, any other starting pitcher last Did year. Did he break 70%? Yeah. Wow. Yep. That is just crazy to think about that. He's throwing a ball yep. that far, that hard, and with that accuracy. That's right. And we're gonna talk about some of the uh some of the less amazing guys in a little bit. Uh but as with Whip, uh as we did two weeks ago, we're interested in doing some regression and finding out how the performance of individual pitchers stacks up against the field. But we're gonna keep strike percentage as a little wrinkle in here to try and determine what we can use that for with the simple linear BABIP versus ERA regression and see what it can do for us. So what about guys that were just sort of a little bit unlucky? And then I'm going to filter that through strike fraction. So I'm going to look at the, the strike percentage that the individual pitchers had and try and decide whether it makes sense given the dispersion that we saw in ERA and WHIP before. Okay. All right. So let's get to the actual guys here. Let's bullet a little bit of a story here. Here are the guys that are way outlying that their ERA versus BABIP suggests that their ERA should come way down this year. And I'm going to do this in order of excitement. Mm. And I'll do it in inverse order of excitement. So I want to, this is the guy that I'm the least excited about to the most excited about. There's four of these. My computer likes to autocorrect Anibal Sanchez to Animal Sanchez, but... <laughs> He is yeah. definitively not an animal this year. He got pretty unlucky in relief of the Tigers in his in one of his appearances earlier this year, Babbitt of 400, um, and his per strike percentage was a little bit lower than last year. Not very excited about that. Yeah, Anibal Sanchez, always a hard person to depend on. He, you know, he used to be so good at just like, man, I'm going to get some Ks out of this guy. Yeah, but those have fallen off. Those days are, yeah, he's, he does not do your best auto strategy, so, so don't bother. Um, other guys that are predicted to do well, hey, if you've got a DL stash and it's cheap for you to pick him up, Jeff Locke is supposed to come back. The, the thought would be that he's actually going to come down quite a bit in ERA this year. Strike Fraction actually decently backs that up, so it could be somebody to keep an eye on. New Hampshire, right, that fella? Now, your own special guy here, James Shields. Jimmy. He really needs to hit the strike zone. He's less than 60% on strike percentage, which is one of the worst. Yeah. And that first outing this year uh, was that to a T. It explains a lot about why he was so bad last year. And the only reason that his first outing looked so good, do you, <laughs> you've probably seen this number already, but his BABIP 
uh, 0.083. That's high. I mean, that's that's <laughs> that that's very low. So he's uh, he got a little bit lucky. So yeah. let's not let's not get too too excited about him. But we'll see. There might be something there. And then the guy that I'm actually the most excited about, and you can go ahead and get mad about me about this, Tyler Duffy. He's currently languishing in relief for the Twins, which is one of the most embarrassing places to be in all of Major League Baseball, yeah. I think. Yeah, that it really is. <laughs> yeah, you're you're good enough to be in the majors, but only as a relief pitcher for the Twins. <laughs> <laughs> There's money in it. All right, what about the regressing guys? Let's let's turn to just a couple be careful guys here. And I'm going to do this in order of doubt that they will regress. So the okay. regressor here picks up Clayton Kershaw. All right, he gave up he gave up some home runs in cores, so it turns out he's slightly human, but again, other otherworldly strike percentage. So let's not lose any sleep there. Let's believe that he's an outlier. Oh yeah, he's going to regress from Superman to Captain America. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, two Mets next, Jake DeGrom. Uh, you can, the ball stayed on the ground during the first start. His BABIP was totally normal for the Mets, which is to yep. say a little elevated against the rest of the league. <laughs> and there's the same, same amount of strikes as ever. I'm going to say that his ERA this year is probably going to be around three. Makes sense. Now, next one would be, next one's Noah Syndergaard. He had basically the same first outing as DeGrom and a pretty good outing last night uh, or Sunday night. I would still actually expect a little bit of regression, like think 3.6 on ERA, not 2.6. But I also want to clarify, don't think 4.6, which is what he easily could have regressed to at from the beginning of the season models. Wow, so you think that so you think he's going to be mid mid threes ERA? I think mid threes. Yeah. All right, I'll I'll buy that, but you think DeGrom is going to be low threes? I think I think DeGrom is going to end up with a better ERA than Syndergaard. All right. You want to put that in the bet box? Against you or against myself? Against me. I I'll take I'll take Noah Syndergaard. Give me but you got to give me it looks like you're you've got these placed what? 0.6 apart? Yeah. Give me 0.25 handicap. 0.25. All right. So you get you get Syndergaard or you get yeah, you get Syndergaard minus 0.25. Yeah. Oh, you're right. All right. Uh, other two other guys here that this highlights. Uh, Rich Hill is old and got a blister on his finger this week, but he still pitched somehow. Uh, a very solid first game for the Dodgers. He's living off a low Babbitt for a couple of years, actually. Yeah. Uh, it's not sustainable. I just can't see a sub three ERA for him. But then again, that would actually be a huge regression from what he's had the past mm-hmm. couple of years. So it's hard to predict much over three for him well i think he's he's not gonna play all the games that he's slated for yeah so that's... no no that's that's a good point so he might be an era guy in the games that he's there for yeah uh and then i just really want to quick point out that uh james paxton is terrible uh, his first outing of the year was not terrible but do not be fooled james paxton is terrible <laughs> He will hurt you in ERA. Do not have him on your team. James Paxton and Corey Dickerson, we will be beating this drum all year, and eventually they'll end up on both of our teams. That's great. Probably. Probably. Um, And then one other piece of advice, uh, asking for a friend here, what do I do when the opponent has uh, Chris Sale as a two-star pitcher in a week? Mm, Pray for rain. Yeah, that's... 
This is the second start in Boston. Might might have a chance. There could there could be. Yeah, this is the time of year. April yeah. showers bring May flowers. And that's right. Speaking of weather, I know that this is a weather podcast. Snow here. So look forward to that in uh two to two and a half days. Oh, we're we're getting warm actually, and that was that was a good segue into our little wrap up here. Oh, great segue! Yeah, shorts weather. Because I was thinking about I I wore shorts yesterday outside, and I will just say it was not just the weirdo Minnesotan wandering around Massachusetts. It was normal shorts temperature. Other people were in shorts. Oh yeah, because it it's so weird for someone from New England to wear shorts on the first forty degree weather <laughs> that they see. Good point. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Man, yeah, no, I was this weekend. It was pretty. It was pretty hot, and I, I um, was wearing the athletic shorts for a little while longer than I needed to. The athletic shorts. Well, this guy you know, is, to... is that because you is that because you haven't gotten out the the big bin of uh, your summer clothes yet? No, I actually. Well, there everything is moving around right now. So yeah I, ha- yeah, I did see them. I almost almost put them on yesterday, but then it was supposed to rain yesterday afternoon so it was just dark and ominous for, for most of the day so i was like mm, i just probably i know that if i put shorts on that's when the clouds will open up absolutely but i will say that the corollary to shorts weather biking weather feeling pretty good about bicycle commute all right well i think that brings us to today's review session <sighs> another another minnesotan thing walleye i'll give you the floor you I've been looking for tension, and <laughs> I think I think you got it. There is no more beautiful oh, fish what? in the world <laughs> than walleye. What? That's not true. It is actually the ugliest fish you've ever seen, but it tastes so good. Oh my god! I don't like. It's like if it's like if somebody just took butter and sort of turned it into a fish and then you <laughs> ate it <laughs> is that just because every minnesota just like automatically puts a stick of butter in it lando La- <laughs> lando lakes butter do they just like pour the butter into the lakes i think that i think the ideal is to you know feed your walleye butter and then deep fry <laughs> it in butter and then you know like look walleye just just such a pure white fish like wow so good man on a stick fried you know we used to go we used to go to this as a family we would go to this restaurant once a year for walleye like no joke we'd be like it's tavern on grand day and we'd go there and eat walleye would local folk be the ones catching them or was it shipped in shipped in from where like (laughs) one of the lakes right next door i mean like what are you talking about well okay so i will say um not not as enamored with walleye as as you are and so there's a like friday fish taco special that we that we get just about every friday and i'll just say that the quality of the uh fish was variable uh high standard deviation on quality (laughs) Um, and then it came to my attention that they were frozen walleye fingers. It's like, what? What What are you doing with frozen walleye fingers here? But in general, I, I'm just going to say it. Walleye, a little bit bland. 
You're not doing it right. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> a little bit bland, which is not bad, which means that it's like edible for fish. I'm not a huge Honestly. fish person in general. Go. But I don't think that I see myself having like a, a walleye hand roll anytime soon. It's like not really that kind of a delicacy. Uh, Are you a sushi person? Oh, absolutely. Would you have walleye sushi? Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) I have that much confidence in the purity of Minnesota lakes. Oh, boy. All right. Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, mind the Z. This is a real offer. Send us emails and we'll try to address them and give you help and make you tools. All right. All I've got left is where's the luck to you, buddy? Where's the luck to you, too? Yeah.